Welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. It is NFL Draft Week, so we decided to bring out the big guns. Everyone in football knows my guest today, Ross Tucker. Uh, Ross Tucker, uh, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, broadcast booze, you name it, analysis, lots of draft coverage at Ross Tucker NFL. The only thing that's weird about this, Ross, is usually when I'm talking to you, you're asking me the questions, and you're the host. You're the professional host. I'm not quite the professional host, so we'll try and uh, do our best here uh, today. Thanks for joining. Yeah, my pleasure. Don't worry about it. I have a tendency to try to just take over any show that I'm on anyway. I can't really, <laughs> I can't really help it. It's just kind of my natural default. Although I got to say this. I should know the answer to this, but the shirt you're wearing, it's, you know, I know it's what doctors wear. What are, what are those called again? Scrubs. Scrubs. If I had to do it over again, now I was a college football player, then I was in the NFL. But if you're a young man listening right now, just buy some scrubs and go to happy hours all over town, wherever you live. <laughs> buy scrubs and just walk into bars with scrubs at a happy hour, that's got to be money. I wish when I was in college, I had made up a bunch of like business cards that said like Hollywood producer or something like that, and just handed them out and been like, you know what? I don't I don't do this often, but I I think you might have something. Give me a call sometime. I see something in you. Like like why why did I not think of this when I was in college? Well, uh, I got a couple responses for that, okay? <laughs> First of all, and uh, we have Jacob and we have Justin and the other guys on helping us here. I'd like a informal poll. What would be better, walking into a bar with scrubs where you could be a sales rep, uh, a respiratory therapist, nothing wrong with any of those things, or a doctor, or walking up in with NFL gear on, NFL official NFL equipment uh, logo on. I think the NFL pulls more. And the follow-up question, Ross, is if you think I want to walk into anything, much less a bar with this on, you're crazy. Second of all, let me ask this. When you were in the NFL, did you ever walk in with authentic gear that proved you were a player, uh, the shield on? Not often. I mean, if I did, it was just because I was, I mean, look, I wouldn't go to like a bar wearing that or I wouldn't go out wearing that. Um, but if I was going out, you know, just grabbing food or maybe a beer after practice, yeah, if it's free, it's for me. So I probably was wearing a lot of the Bills or Cowboys or Patriots <laughs> or Washington gear a decent amount of time. I will say this, if you'd go out and you're not wearing gear like that, my recommendation is to be like I was with the Dallas Cowboys, where my best friend on the team was the starting quarterback at the time, Chad Hutchinson, and Chad had a serious girlfriend who's now his wife. So quite often, it would be the three of us going out. And I think the, the patrons at the bar could do the math. There's Chad Hutchinson, that girl's with him, that guy's really big. That guy's like 315 pounds. So I think they could kind of figure out that I was a, a cowboy. And so um, let's just say I got, 
I got approached a couple times as a result. <laughs> Strategic. So you were so good, you didn't have to do what the rest of the league sometimes would have to do, which is at the door, which is uh, whip out your player ID card, right? Your your ID was the quarterback next to you, et cetera. You know what's so funny? I, and this is this is the truth. And I say this all the time to people. I feel like both in as a player and now as a broadcaster, I feel like I have like the perfect level of sort of notoriety, right? So if you're like, you know, the starting quarterback or you're a star player, you really can't do normal stuff, right? You're, you kind of have people looking at you all the time. You're always getting approached. It's just not that, like, that's cool for a little bit, but then you just want to be able to like, go to Walmart or something and pick something up. It's just not, it's not great. When you're a lineman, it's perfect because you get the reservation at every restaurant and you can get the hookup for anything you want, but people don't really know who you are. You know what I mean? Like they, they know you're a player, but they don't know you well enough to come up to you and ask and say, Hey, Mr. Tucker, can you sign this? They don't know who the journeyman back, you know, guard center is. Right. So it's kind of perfect. And even now in the media, like I get approached every once in a while, but not that much. But, you know, if I call and use my name in the place where I go, at least, especially in Pennsylvania, because I do the Eagles preseason games or the Jersey Shore, I can usually get what, I, what I'm looking for, what I need or what I want, but I'm not like getting hounded, right? So um, that's not fun. I know guys that are in that situation and, um, you know, certainly they're thrilled to have the success they've had and whatever, but it does change your life. And I think some of those guys wish they could dial it back a little bit from time to time. Well, you know, that's some next level thinking and analysis that I would only expect from Ross Tucker. Uh, and don't sell yourself short, not a when you were playing in college, Ivy League college football player, <laughs> right? I mean, smart guy. And it, and it, and it shows through there. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think I get recognized now and again, and et cetera, probably because I'm the only Asian six-foot guy with a big, fat, round head. You know, I, I, if I were nondescript, I don't think I would ever get recognized. And, of course, whenever I do, my wife just rolls her eyes. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she just completely one, – uh, one of these other times we'll tell that other stories. There are a lot of times where she rolls her eyes at me, including – being recognized and, uh, and, and so forth, but let's get to it here. Uh, so the draft, tell me, look, you do a lot of draft analysis and you get it from the broadcasting and journalism side and as a player, and you're also not one who just does the, uh, fantasy relevant positions, right? I mean, you're a football guy, so you, so you do them all. So give us, your takeaway on this draft or a couple of special things that maybe people haven't heard about that you're analyzing or seeing? So uh, there's not as much of a buzz about this draft as there has been for other recent drafts. That'll pick up, though, as the week goes. But the reason is very simple, quarterbacks. I mean, any draft you ever have, it's quarterback-driven, Last year, you had 
Trevor Lawrence, you know, we've been talking about him for years, generational going number one, and Zach Wilson, the new kid on the block, looks like he could be part of the new kids on the block, by the way. He goes number two, and then at this point, it was the Niners had traded up to number three, and everybody said, it's for Justin Fields. No, no, I know. Uh, my uncle's plumber works for Kyle Shanahan. It's for Mac Jones. And then you started to hear more about Trey Lance. We really didn't know. There was a lot of uncertainty about who the Niners were going to take with the third pick. We knew it was going to be a quarterback. So I just think quarterbacks drive drafts. You know, there's a chance that no quarterbacks go in the top 10. I tend to think at least one will. But, you know, this draft is going to be led at the top by linemen. You know, by my, by my fellow big boys, right? Guys like Evan Neal, Aiden Hutchinson, Iki Iquanu. You know, now there's even talk that Trayvon Walker will be the number one overall pick from Georgia. So I think it's very likely out of the first five, six picks that you'll be seeing four or five linemen. And there's some realistic scenarios where in the top 10 picks, Dr. Chow, not a single skill guy goes. You know, you mentioned fantasy relevance. Everybody follows you on social media. Everybody loves getting the six score of the different players so they know for betting or for fantasy. We might not have a single guy in the top 10 that actually is a skill guy that touches the ball all the time, which is also why there's not quite the same amount of buzz, right? I think people like skill guys. They like exciting, you know, Kyle Pitts at tight end and, you know, obviously at receiver, Jamar Chase. Although ironically, and this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to start to take over your show, you know, a lot of people think Jamison Williams still might be the first wide receiver taken and is probably going to go in the top 10, even though he tore his ACL in the national championship game, which is what, mid-January? It's fascinating. Back in the day, that guy would not have gone top 10 or even top 20, but the, the thought process on a torn ACL, it feels like has changed. And you, you're the one that needs to tell me why. Well, it's changed some, but I don't know. Look, the wide receivers are the big injury group and question mark group. Jameson Williams, John Mechie, Traylon Burks, uh, there's others. That's it, the most talked about group in terms of injuries. But let me tell you this. There is no way Jameson Williams will be ready to go and anywhere near himself early this season or week one. No way. And that doesn't mean he can't be the first wide receiver taken. I don't think it will be by a team who needs him, needs him now, and needs him in peak form for this season as the final piece of the puzzle. It certainly could be by a team who values his future worth in terms of his speed and feel comfortable with his recovery. Look, there's been a lot of stuff, and, and we were going to talk about it after you're gone, but we'll talk about it now. If you look at the video that's been out on Jameson Williams, and look at how good he is. First of all, yeah, he looks great. He's an elite athlete, but I don't think people realize doing a drill does not show that you're 100%. First of all, the drills are edited, so where you look good. But even in those drills, Ross, you look at some of the high knee drills. The right knee goes a lot higher than the left. 
If you look at some of the changing cutting drills, the plant cut on the right is much better than the left. It's just not biologically possible that he's ready. Let's take Odell Beckham from last year. He had an October, he's certainly elite, October ACL tear. Was he ready week one, even though everyone thought his video looked great running in whatever? No, he wasn't like we thought. We thought it was the second half of the season that he would round into form. And that was an October ACL in a veteran player that doesn't need to learn the league. Now you have a young receiver that needs to learn the league and recover. Look, don't judge him on year one. He may have some flashes this season, especially later in the season, but year two is where you're going to get the real but, look but at But Dr. Him. Chow, haven't we seen some guys, you know, obviously Adrian Peterson comes to mind, although I think his injury had been earlier in the year. But there have been other guys, it feels like, uh, Wes Welker, didn't he come back for the opener from a torn ACL in Houston in a playoff game? It feels like there are guys that come back from this thing in seven, eight months now. There are guys that can come back in seven or eight months and for every one of those, there's Odell Beckham or David Bakhtiari, right? And I'm not being negative on these guys. Not all ACLs are the same, first and foremost. We call it an ACL, but it's the associated damage. The other thing is uh, what we say and what my experience tells me is um, it's not unreasonable for a guy to try and return quickly to the same level of competition. You're asking a young guy who's a rookie new to the league to recover and jump a level of play to the NFL. That's asking a lot, I think. Um, it's one thing if you're a veteran in the league, Ross, and you have an injury and you recover. It's another if you're coming in as a rookie, don't get any time with the team, limited in training camp, off-season, OTAs, whatever, not really there, and then trying to be productive, you're asking a kid to jump two levels, the physical level and the mental level of competition to a different level. And I think that's a high bar. Am I saying it's impossible? No, but the expectation is that he's not going to be ready early part of the season. I've often talked about Jeffrey Simmons. He tore his ACL in the spring a couple years ago, top lineman, and the Titans drafted him. And I came on immediately saying he isn't going to be ready for the first part of the season. He's not going to have a good rookie season at all. But I wasn't panning the Titans pick. The Titans were saying, here, I'm mid to late first round. I can't get this talent. And we're trying to win this year. And we're, and we're still going to be later in the first round. Here I can get a top 10 talent in later first round. It's okay if he takes some time to round into form and shape because we are going somewhere. And it turns out so far it's been a good draft pick. So I think, you know, GMs and other people will look at the big picture and it's going to be a unique team that will go high on Jameson Williams. As if he does fall a little bit, a lot more people will become interested, right? Because he's just very talented. What about, what about Derek Stingley and his injuries the last couple of years playing five games each year? I got to be honest, I don't even know what his injuries were. I just know he's only played five ga or ten games the last two years combined. Well, I mean, there's an upside for that, right? Less wear and tear. I mean, when I was at the Combines, uh, you know, it was sort of a known thing that the, in general, um, 
this is back in the day and Pete Carroll and this, that, the other, but the USC and Alabama guys came in pretty beat up. They would regularly say their practices were harder than a lot of their games. Uh, and so maybe less wear on the tread of his tires is a good thing. The most recent injury is a Liss Frank injury, and I don't have a lot of worries. Uh, the Pro Football Doc, Sports Injury Central, we don't have a lot of worries there. We don't have a lot of worries for Drake London, even though he didn't fully work out for pro days and so forth. I believe his ankle injury will be fine. Uh, I'm not saying I'm worried about Jameson Williams or John Mechie or any of these people. I'm just saying they're not going to be ready week one full production. It's going to be later this season or you're really drafting for full production next season, which is not a bad thing. But if a team at the top wants him right now, he might not be the first. What about Ojabo? Ojabo's interesting. Um, to finish off wide receivers, the one guy that I feel bad for that we're reporting at Sports Injury Central, and I think he's already fallen off a lot of radar screens, but I think he's not only fallen out of day one, day two, maybe even day three, he might not be draftable based on his congenital neck issues and surgeries. Justin Ross uh, out of Clemson, he's had an ACL, but it's the multi-level fusion that may prevent him from passing an NFL physical. And noteworthy there, Ross, is he hasn't had any 30 visits, any of the team's 30 visits. Any of the 32 teams have 30 visits each. He hasn't visited a team yet at all, which means they kind of know where he's at, which would be unfortunate. That's one I hope to be wrong on. Ojabo, I have more optimism, but once again, you can't expect a lot from him. Who was the cornerback uh, from University of Washington? Sidney Jones. Sidney Jones. I was saying Sidney Rice. Sidney Jones, a couple years ago, the Eagles drafted him, and there was a lot of press and publicity how he would be ready to go. Even his doctor, who's a great doctor, who I you know, conferred with for foot and ankle stuff, said, oh, he's going to be running by week one. He's good by the beginning of training camp. But I kept saying, okay, maybe he's running, but this is a glass half full assessment. There's no way he's going to contribute much, if at all, in his rookie season. And he didn't. That didn't make it a bad draft pick. I mean, you could argue that that was trading this year's second rounder for next year's first rounder, right? And that's kind of what happened to him. And he did recover ultimately, but he wasn't ready to go year one. I think there's going to be some of that for Ojabo. Uh, you look at it and everyone says, well, what about Cam Akers? He did it at the start of the season and came back. Well, as you know, Ross, we think it's fantastic that Cam Akers came back. But if you follow Sports Injury Central, we continuously had him at a low six score, that he wasn't himself. And what do we hear now this offseason? Cam Akers says he wasn't pleased with the five games that he played. He averaged 2.3 yards a carry. He certainly wasn't explosive. And he was a good addition for the Rams. They, they won a Super Bowl with him. But really, what was it? Daryl Henderson got injured. Cam Akers worked hard and was in position. Sony Michelle has chronic knee issues and I think maybe was wearing down. And the opportunity opened up for Cam Akers. He made the most of it. Kudos to him. But I expect him to be a lot more explosive and powerful this year, this season, than he was at the end of last season. And you can't have that if you're David Ajabo and a rookie and, and just starting off. So I think he's going to be a little bit of a project this year, at least for the early part. Well, two things. One is 
You told me I had you on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast after week after after the last week of the regular season, and you mentioned that you thought Acres would be much better in the first round of the playoffs than he was in the last round because just that extra week, and then he was. I was on the sideline, and he was much better against the Cardinals. He just looked better, right? He wasn't full speed. But he looked a lot better his second week out there. They did his first week. And I interviewed him. I said that to him. I was like, you look a lot better to me. And he's like, oh, for sure, man. And I kind of got that from you. The other thing is, you helped me out on Twitter recently with the Embiid stuff. So I know you posted it six score, but I'm a Sixers fan. Six score, Sixers. So, you know, I know they said recently now that he's definitely going to have to have surgery after the season. But you think my boy Embiid will still be able to make it all the way through? Well, that's my uh, question that I was going to ask you. There's no question I started off as pro football doc because my NFL experience is much more vast. But I've worked in the NBA and Major League Baseball and other sports. But we've brought on other doctors, right? Uh, the Chicago Bulls doctor, the Houston Rockets former doctor, uh, the Texas Rangers doctor to help us out at Sports Injury Central. But... Look at you, Ross. I thought you were football only. You're. I was going to ask you about that. You're. You're big into your, the Ben Simmons and the Joel Embiid and all this stuff. Uh, it's. I think you have to change your tri- Twitter handle, Ross Tucker All Sports, not Ross Tucker NFL. Honestly, this is the truth. You can appreciate. I am the type of Sixers fan that I hated when I was younger. You know, <laughs> I follow the Eagles because I work for them and I follow football very closely. I really only get into the Sixers or the Flyers or the Phillies if they're in the playoffs. And then, <laughs> and then I'm all in. Although, you know, last summer I got so invested in the Ben Simmons thing, which, by the way, let me just say this, okay? Dr. Joe, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but as a guy that had uh, a lower back surgery, L4, L5, L5S1, when I saw that Ben Simmons got an epidural on his back, now, you can tell me. I know you're not a spying guy by necessarily. I don't know if I know of any athlete that got the epidural and then didn't eventually have to have back surgery. I mean, in my experience, and I'm sure you'll tell me some names, but in my experience, when I see the epidural, when I see the herniated disc, that guy's eventually going to have surgery. Even if the epidural helps him for a while, it doesn't, like, fix it, the underlying issue, and he ends up having surgery, which is why I was not surprised at all that Ben Simmons isn't playing in game four. For the most part, Dr. Tucker, I concur. Uh, certainly when a disc herniates, it never unherniates. The jelly doesn't go back into the jelly donut that's been squeezed out. Now, what the epidural does is it decreases the inflammation. And you're right, it's, but it's not 100% that everyone needs surgery, but what the epidural told us is that there is a radiculopathy. There's a nerve component to the uh, lumbar spine issue. And that's why we wrote and said immediately, he's not gonna do anything for two weeks. In the best, most miraculous case scenario, it's four weeks before he plays. But in a situation where he hasn't played all season and isn't conditioned, it's going to be longer. And now we're hearing, of course, that he's out again game four after some talk of being available. And that might have just been media talk. It may not have come from the team. And here's the other thing, Ross. I mean, we're talking basketball and football, but look, 
he hasn't played a play a minute this entire season, Ben Simmons. And he got traded to a new team. He hasn't played at all with his new team. Even if physically he's ready to go, I just don't see how that you can have that team gel. I mean, look, it's uh, I don't care if you're the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the L.A. Rams. <clears throat> this would be essentially preseason, but it's the playoffs and it's game four. So this is why we wrote in terms of the Celtics and the Nets that Robert Williams coming back, their Celtic center off of his meniscus surgery, although quicker than we expected and although limited minutes, will have more punch for their team and going forward than Ben Simmons. We were not still expecting anything out of Ben Simmons for those reasons. Um, and you asked about MB. That's a different story. We posted at Sports Injury Central that no matter what, we felt that he would be able to play through. Remember, he finished game three with that and with that thumb spike a splint and hit a three-pointer to win the game. Now, we're not saying he's 100%. And we said, yes, there's an MRI coming. And even if he had a ligament tear, and the worry is the ulnar collateral ligament, and I think that's been confirmed now, and is going to need surgery, that surgery can wait. It's an instability issue that can be controlled with that black thumb spike up brace splint. So we're trying to do our six scores in an even better way. For NFL, because players are fairly specialized, we kind of have one six score for them. But perhaps, you know, like on a Cam Akers or this, we should have a, a uh, running the ball six score and a pass catching six score, right? And we'll get there. But for basketball players, for Embiid, we think his hardest things that he's going to have to do are long-range shooting, three-point shooting, and ball handling slash turnovers. Um, we think he's going to be able to rebound well. We think he's going to be able to defend well. And short range and mid range, we think he's going to be able to score well. So therefore, it's not just one six score, right? I think a lower six score for his three-point shooting, maybe in the 50s, offensively in the 80s, mid to high 80s, defensively in the 90s in terms of his health. So he's going to play. He's tough. He's been through a share of injuries. But it's a thumb issue on his dominant hand in terms of stability. And, yes, if he reaches in uh, and he gets it hit, it might hurt. And maybe it's a good thing that he doesn't reach in and pick up fouls. But he's going to play. Don't worry, Ross. He'll be there. May not be 100%. In football terms, he's more than 85%. So it's a really good day for him. In basketball I need to terms. be 100%, Doc. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if you have to fly from San Diego to Philly or Toronto, wherever he is. Give him the surgery, overnight surgery, so he can. I need 100%. I, I, I want the Sixers to go far in the playoffs. Well, and I know there's going to be people out there that say, oh, do that special surgery with the ligament augmentation, but it's still surgery. Look, he's playing and playing well right now. There's no reason he cannot continue to play and play reasonably well, but certainly not necessarily at 100%. All right, Ross, I got plenty of places to take this podcast next since since you're taking over, which I love. Where do you want to go next? <laughs> um, well, so how about George Pickens, the wide receiver from Georgia? You know, he was the apple of everybody's eye before he suffered a serious injury. He was able to come back for the national championship game. 
I guess I don't really understand why he's not higher because he's already shown that he has come back from the injury and that he will be available for the offseason. Well, it's a good question. His ACL tear was in March of 2021. And we always say the second year back is the better year back. I don't know. Maybe it's prisoners of the moment because we didn't see greatness out of uh, Pickens this year because he was still recovering, but he did make it back. Uh, medically, I certainly would be higher on Pickens than Jameson Williams or John Mechie. Medically, and certainly for this year. And we expect him to be pretty good. But you know the deal, Ross. I mean, does it really matter uh, what's being circulated in the media. There may be someone who's loving George Pickens and staying quiet, right? I mean, I mean, uh, last week on the podcast, you might laugh at this, uh, when I was with the Chargers, uh, there was a visit from a player that everyone thought we were taking. It was a running back. I won't say what year. I won't name the kid. And everyone thought we were taking him in the first round as a post-Ladanian Tomlinson deal. And... Uh, I didn't see him for a physical that day or anything, but later that day I saw him having dinner, no offense at the restaurant, but Seau's was pretty casual with just the running backs coach at Seau's. That clearly wasn't Morton's and Ruth Chris with the head coach or OC or GM. I was like, yeah, that's, that's just a media ruse that we have the visit with this guy. That's funny. That's interesting. So here's my question. Draft day. I know you've already done the meetings. I know you've already given your medical evaluation. They have the information. Did you ever still get pulled in while they were on the clock? Did you ever get a call while they were on the clock? Or was it all done ahead of time? Well, Ross, since you're asking, I'll tell you this story. Um, I was in the draft room, the war room. There are about eight or so Big boy people at the main dinner table, no more than 10, some logistics, the GM, the owner, the head coach, no other coaches, right? The assistant GM, pro player personnel, the contract guy. The head athletic trainer and I at Thanksgiving, we were in the dining room, but we were at the kids' table in the corner, just he and I, a small table in the corner. And, uh, you know, the big boy, the adult table where it was, and You know, this is back in the day when they had magnets up on the walls and they moved them. But, like, you didn't dare walk over to that part of the room where you could see the order of how we rated people, right? I mean, you don't want to be there. So we sat at the kids' table. Yes, there were times. I mean, look, I was lucky enough to sit there in the room when when, uh, the Eli Manning-Philip Rivers trade went down. And that was like a movie-like draft day moment in terms of excitement because they were – definitely playing a little bit of poker there and to see who would blink first there. And there definitely was a cheer in the Charger room once the Giants selected Phillip Rivers because they that meant that trade was happening. Literally, they selected Phillip Rivers, there was a cheer in the room, and then the uh, red phone on the desk rang, and it was the Giants saying, okay, we're doing the deal uh, kind of deal. So once they picked Rivers, our room knew. But one year in particular... And, and I can say the names because I've talked to the guys before. Uh, Marcus McNeil and, uh, and Antonio Cromartie. Antonio Cromartie was a top talent coming out of college, Florida State. And usually we got a na- list of about 50 or 60 people that we would call dotted, where the GM would say, 
take really close look at these guys. These guys are on our short list. Cromartie wasn't even on our short list. But, you know, we look at all 330 people. And back in the day, we didn't have fancy computers. We had binders and whatever. And we're sitting there, and, and Antonio Cromartie's falling out of the top 10. We're drafting, you know, late teens, you know, almost 20. And then all of a sudden, the GM starts walking over and saying, what do you think about Antonio Cromartie? And I open up the book, and we look, and we say, he's not ready right now. He's coming off an ACL. He will be fine, maybe not week one, but later in the season. You know, he's going to be okay. He's draftable, but he's not ready right now. He's going to need some more rehab work. And then about 20 minutes later, tell me about Antonio Cromartie. And then we were one pick away, and here he comes again. And I kind of try and rehash what we just said, right, in a different way. And I turned to my head athletic trainer, and I said, you know, unless there's reappearing ink on this piece of paper, I gave him everything I knew the first time he came and talked to me because I didn't remember Cromartie independently. I just remembered my notes, so you sit looking at my notes and my cheat sheet. So we took Cromartie with the first pick. We actually wanted to take Marcus McNeil with the first pick, but Marcus kept dropping left tackle because of a back issue. And they actually approached again about that one. And this is not the norm. Usually, you know, you're there, you're in the building, you're sitting there, but you're not doing a lot. And they asked about him in his low back. And we said, well, it's just a rehab issue. We think he's going to be fine. And he fell into the second round where we took him. And so to this day, I've joked with Marcus uh, McNeil that uh, Cromartie owes you first round money because he took <laughs> his slot. But it's not always like that. It's not like the draft day movies. You're right. Most of the work is done. But, you know, it's leave no stone unturned minute of. I mean, I was always in the building for the early drafts. I was, you know, privileged enough to be in the draft room. So I'd take my spot. And, and besides, the food was pretty good on draft weekend. Oh, yeah, I miss that a lot. I miss the, uh, I miss the training table. I was at an event. I was at the NFL broadcast boot camp out in L.A. a couple weeks ago. And it's just not like that in the real world, Dr. Chow. It's just not like that. <laughs> yeah, I probably can't do that anymore. I mean, I'm ballooning up as it is. All right, let's, before we forget, we can keep talking forever here, obviously. Because it's you and I know what you do, I have to thank you. Because Mother's Day is around the corner. And... Look, it's like I got to figure out what the kids want to get her. And, and look, I know what <laughs> my, my I know what my son's going to say. He's been programmed to say Gucci, and that gets expensive. <laughs> and um, lately, I think the wife has been trying to program him to say Balenciaga, but I don't even know what that is and what they sell. But it just sounds expensive. So I think I have to thank you because I am definitely going to do my front page story for Mother's Day with the kids and, uh, and so forth. So tell it, people it is, about it is, that. Honestly, it's the best Mother's Day gift ever. Because here's the thing, like whether it's for your mom or your wife, nobody really knows what's to get somebody for Mother's Day. And to get them something unique and different is really hard. A buddy of mine started the company you literally talk to a writer for 10 minutes. Let's say you got it for your wife. You could talk to them for 10 minutes, and then your kids could talk to them. They write the most unbelievable story. It looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper, San Diego Union Tribune. It's framed. It's beautiful pictures of her and the kids. But the key is like when you give it to her, 
and she's opening it, she'll be like, what, wait, what is this? And it's such an awesome line after chow. You just say, hey babe, I want to do something special for you this year, so I had a story written about you. She'll be like, what? What do you mean you had a story written about me? And then she'll read it so fast, because she's dying to see what's in it, and when she sees the quote from you that like, I just don't tell her enough how much I appreciate all the little things she does for the family. I couldn't do it with that. She will cry. I'm telling you, dude, she will cry. She will cry. You will win. Myfrontpagestory.com. Myfrontpagestory.com. It's so money, it's not even funny. Well, will your writer write that part for me too and just attach the quote to my name? Honestly, if you if you just talk to us for a couple minutes or you reply to the email, we can make it look real good no matter what you say. <laughs> it's funny because for Valentine's Day, we got so many orders because I went on a bunch of radio stations and podcasts and talked about it. I had to help out. I had to help out. I had to write some story. I remember my wife wanted to watch Netflix. I was like, sorry, I got to write love stories about women other than you for Valentine's Day uh, because we had that many orders. You know, you don't. It, it's one of those, it's a gift giving business, right? So it's really big Valentine's Day, really big Mother's Day, really big for the holidays. But then like June or July, you know, you don't get as many. So um, it's hard to have the exact amount of writers that you need at the right time. But anyway, well, in all sincerity, check it out. You can get one for as, as little as 50 bucks, myfrontpagestory.com. Well, I'm definitely gonna, gonna do that. And you know, the biggest lesson from this and the biggest chance that I'm taking uh, by talking about this, and it shows you my confidence level that my wife never listens to the podcast, so I should be okay. <laughs> you know what? I've already talked on on my show on the Ross Tucker podcast about what I got my wife for Mother's Day, or at least where I got it from, because I know she doesn't listen either. So <laughs> I, I've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, doesn't listen to the podcast, or probably just you could stop it. Doesn't. Listen, right? No, just joking. We we're having fun with Kim. I just hope one of the followers, sometimes they end up tweeting at her, this, that, the other, that nobody spills the beans on on, uh, on this one. Well, thank you so much for having me, man. This was a blast. It's nice to finally uh, turn the tables. Although about halfway through, I just started firing questions. You know, I always have things I want to talk to you about. So about halfway through, I'm like, yeah, it's time for me to shift into overdrive and ask about the guys I need to know. Now, on all these radio hits and all the shows, I do, I'm doing the draft for the Eagles. Now I have all the information I needed. Yep. And the other one that we didn't talk about is Carson Strong. There's some worry about his OCD and his articular cartilage and how long he'll last uh, in the league. And so that's... Well, I did, I did a Nevada game this year. Uh -huh. They played um, New Mexico State, maybe. And I could tell it was it was not it, it was not 100. It was bothering him, but he's a tough one. He he can't move like he just doesn't move very well, which is so important for that position. Now you got to be really really good with other aspects if you can't if you can't really move very well. There aren't too many uh, Philip Rivers in the world anymore, are they? No, uh, <laughs> he actually reminds me a lot of Drew Bledsoe. A okay. guy I played with in Buffalo, really big, um, strong arm, but it just doesn't seem like there's that many of those guys anymore. Yeah, no, no, no question. Certainly, best of luck to him. But uh, I think a team that takes him will have to count on his pocket ability as opposed to his mobility you know, being a big part of uh, the equation. And unfortunately, that knee is a little bit of a, you know, uh, it's a ticking time bomb in terms of when it might finally wear out the uh, cartilage. So 
We'll see. It'll be interesting. But overall, thankfully, uh, not a ton of medical issues this year. Ross, thank you very much. Thanks for helping out me out with Mother's Day. And uh, we'll keep the six scores uh, coming for you. And I appreciate your friendship and your coming on today. Yeah, honestly, it's, uh, it's an absolute must read now for me. And will be all football season from fantasy and betting purposes. Like, you got to know the six score. I mean, that, I don't know what your motto is. But I think I just invented it. So my front page story, I don't know. I don't know what the motto is. My buddy started. I'm like, dude, it should be she'll cry, she will cry, you will win. But he hasn't changed it yet. Your motto should be, your tagline should be, you got to know the six score. I love it. Well, I think we might, our producer might clip that for our promotional stuff uh, from Ross Tucker. That's a pretty... Good endorsement there. Ross, thanks so much for your time. And at Ross Tucker NFL, Ross Tucker Podcast, and pretty much everywhere in my front page story. Thanks so much, Dr. Chow. Really appreciate it. Same here. Bye-bye. All right. Always a pleasure to have Ross Tucker on. And in the interest of time, I think uh, the boys, Jacob, Taylor, Justin, you guys are off the hook. We're already 40 minutes. Uh, Ross was very generous with his time. And we covered a lot of football. We covered basketball. Of course, we'll never cover everything, but go to Sports Injury Central, SICscore.com. You know, to to us here, it's a very meaningful that Ross is a believer in uh, six scores. And that's what we hope to do to, to help people, be it with draft props where we have articles coming, basketball, NBA stuff, baseball. And, of course, everyone knows the six scores in, in football. So thanks for listening and watching to the Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast, and we'll see you again next week.